And you say, why would you give a promotion of a book you have not read? I'll tell you why. Because it's my mother-in-law's book. And if you don't do it, you're not going to get a Christmas present. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I am your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Thomas Balsamo. How are you, Tom? Hey, good. Good, good. How are you? And uh, doing well, doing well. Glad to be back at it. It sort of seems like we've had uh, a bumpy road here a little bit and been... Mm -hmm. been, uh, been away from the mic for a little bit <clears throat> and uh, yeah. so glad to get back into another episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. We've uh <laughs> we we can't really announce it yet, but we've had some technical no. glitches with a particular yes. episode that we've been working on that we're really excited about, but uh That's right. I think we'll, we'll get it fixed here soon and we'll we'll let you know as soon as that is out. Yep. We want to thank uh, right out of the gate. We want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. Thank you for your continued investment. Our elite patrons uh, who also get the uh, after show uh, and uh, and uh, those those perks there. We want to thank you as well. Thank you guys for all that you do. Yes. Yes, we do appreciate that. So um, what do we want to do first here today? Do you want to just get right into it? Yeah, I think I do, and there just seems yeah. like there's a, a smattering of things. There's just a variety of questions there, here, so there, yeah, go ahead. There's a couple here that I have from a young listener. Um, he sent mm-hmm. several all at once, and okay, great. some of them are kind of rapid fire, but they kind of are related to something that was on my mind lately. Uh, we recently celebrated our 17th anniversary, uh, my wife and I. Yes, and happy anniversary. Thank you, uh, and it was on the 17th of, of August. Um, so that, that won't, that won't happen again. That that's only a one-time gig, right? Where it's, you know, 17 on the 17th. So it was in a sense, a special anniversary though. We don't need an excuse to consider an anniversary special, but, uh, we, we took a quick trip, uh, like a two day trip down to, uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, we've been there a number of times. Um, I've been going there on and off since I was a teenager, <clears throat> um, every once in a while. Uh, so we went down there and we got an Airbnb and uh, we went to see a play at the Sight and Sound Theater. Um, they oh, did a yes. play on yeah. uh, the book of Esther, which was really mm. well done, by the way. And they got a lot of really? good biblical details in there that people often miss hmm. and a lot of historical details. Anyway, I digress. The The point is, I found it interesting how how conservative and Christian the area feels. So, like, hmm. you know, you'd go to a coffee shop. And, and there would be Bible verses on the little, um, the little cup, um, the little sleeves, right? Right. And -hmm. there'd be quotations from scripture on their menu boards. And one restaurant even had the word agape in its name. And, and it's just, there's a very biblical emphasis on things. Now, I suppose it'd be a different discussion as to whether or not all of that is genuine or whether or not it's kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, touristy. Right. (laughs) That's a different discussion. But the point is, even the people, when you are around the people, whether we went to this one market and you're walking around a store, you go to a restaurant, um, there's a heavy influence of Christian things. So the area feels very different. And one question here that was sent in by a young listener um, was was this, and it kind of had to do with a lot of the political talk that we're hearing today. There's Mm -hmm. been some actual legitimate discussion about certain states seceding from the union. Uh, there have been uh, actual cases in which 
uh, certain areas or townships or districts are breaking off from bigger townships and districts um, that they don't agree with. So this, mm-hmm. this young listener asks, if a conservative state breaks away from the union, should a Christian move there? I thought that was an interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the short answer, no, not necessarily. Um, and my the parallel that comes to my mind um, is what happened in education uh, when churches said, we need to start our own schools, you know, and this is the answer now. Christian education, you send your kid to Christian school. Well, what we did was we peeled away from, uh, you know, all influence in the uh, in the public school. And so mm-hmm. is that necessarily the the best option? I mean, is that the only option as well? If that's a conservative state there, therefore, you know, I'm, I must move there because they reflect my values or do I stay where I'm at um, and influence in the way that I can? And mm-hmm. and and I think that question does have uh, a lot more tentacles, if I could put it that way. It's not sure. just about it's not just about my politics. I mean, yeah, on a political level, would I want to go somewhere that's going to govern conservatively? Absolutely. Because uh, am I going to be the lone conservative in this liberal state and and get, and see anything go my way? No. However, uh, there's so much more to life and, and my influence uh, in the lives of liberal people, um, you know, do I just want to move away and say, well, you guys just have your own reason, you know, go ahead. Well, I was, I was thinking too, there's a lot of parallels between that and social media, right? Um, Hmm. I, I, for some, for some Christians, you know, for me getting off social media, uh, was a joy. Uh, I loved it. I I loved getting (laughs) off of there. And some might say, well, you got to stay on there and try to influence. And (laughs) I see, (laughs) you know, for those who would make such an argument, um, I would suggest that perhaps it didn't work or isn't working. Um, I don't think the presence of Christians on social media has made social media better. And likewise, I would say the presence of Christians in the public schools, uh, I don't know that overall ever made the public school system any better. Both of those institutions, whether it be social media or the public school, we're going to do what they're going to do regardless of Christian influence. It was always going to be that way. Um, And I don't know that you know, states would be any different. Um, and I suppose maybe I'm taking somewhat of a doom and gloom view on it, but at least from what I know <laughs> from, from scripture that things are going to wax worse and worse. Um, do I really think that we should focus our attention on those institutions like, like social media or, uh, the, the public school system or whatever? I don't mm-hmm. know that those would, should be our primary sources of, um, doing the work of the ministry, if, if that's what we're going to call it. Um, <laughs> now, you know, whether or not you move, that's a different story. Because if if all the Christians in, you know, blue states just up and moved to red states right now, because they're simply more conservative and, and their values are more in line with Christian things, uh, that is, in a sense, uh, a denial of the, the need for the Great Commission. Uh, we're, in a sense, maybe trying to be the arbiter of whether or not we think God is still working in a place. Um, but that's not to say God wouldn't lead some out of there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it can't be. I would push back on you probably some on the on the influence in the public schools and things like that. I mean, it sounds a bit deterministic, you know, to say that, you know, it makes no difference and that it is going to be what it is. However, I think you're right in the sense that the whole foundation of the public school um, is a is a philosophy which so we're, we're already going into a school setting that's anti-christian by philosophy sure um 
So yes, I mean, there, there is some direct sense that, you know, we're fighting a majorly uphill battle, but are we really supposed to rescue the public school system? You know, is that, is that a great job? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I mean, you know, but again, we can be a, we can be a salt and a light in that scenario. Sure. Um, uh, in certain situations. And I, and I would fall down on a bench basically like you did in the end. It's basically to say that some people, uh, it may be the, if we could put it, use our Christianese uh, on it, uh, the will of God to move yeah. if they had a conservative state and some not. Uh, it, it's not a cut and dried, oh, it's a conservative state, therefore we all move there. No, not necessarily, because uh, God has a, a, a plan for you to influence people somewhere, whether it's there or here in yeah. the midst of your liberal area. You know, that'd be like saying everybody, yeah. all Christians need to move out of New York City. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, well, I okay. mean, there is something to be said for how palpable a culture is. And by that, I mean, you can palpate it. You can feel it. You can actually sense it when you're in a culture whose values are anti-God and are in line mm. with the systems mm. of the world. You can feel that. And likewise, you can feel it when you're in a culture, like when my wife and I were just down mm. in Lancaster. Yeah. You can feel there's something different about that culture versus where we live. Yeah. Uh, when we go visit the Midwest, you know, there's something different about that culture versus where we live. When we go down south, same thing. And it's not just that people talk different. It's there's there's an alignment of at least some core values there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, where, where we live here in Connecticut, you get used to it after a while and you don't really feel that culture, the, the weight of it any, as much. And then mm. you go take a trip somewhere. And you're like, wow, <laughs> and this, you're is so, this is so nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- I could see why someone would, would say, you know, I want to live somewhere that is more in line with my core values. Sure, uh, sure. And, and I'm yeah. not against people doing that. But yeah, the Lord needs to be in, 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 in a move like that. Yes, yeah. All right, what else do we have? Um, let's see here. Um. Mm, uh, hey, maybe, but could I, could I, uh, piggyback yeah. that one with this question here? Sure. Uh, that I've got on the list. Um, is it, and I'm not, I'm not just, although the question does apply to preachers, uh, but even just as Christians, as witnesses, uh, as representatives of Christ, is it our responsibility to persuade? And mm-hmm. if not, then what is our responsibility? Hmm. Is it our responsibility? Because because that kind of goes on with what you're saying there that we want to go somewhere with our core values, uh, or, or should we stay and be a light? But if we stay and be a light, um, is it our responsibility to persuade people? Uh, I, I think that answer has degrees, um, hmm. because it's like what constitutes a persuasion? Okay, when I okay. give someone the gospel, that message in and of itself is persuasive. You know what I mean? No, I don't. <laughs> um, there, there is an innate conviction that the Holy Spirit brings when someone hears the gospel message. They, they, they are taught that they are a sinner. They're taught that they have violated God's law. They're taught that they deserve his judgment. And then when they hear that there is a salvation full and free that is offered by God's grace, if they would but repent and believe, uh, there is there is something convicting about that. There is something that is innately persuasive about that. And 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 the question is, are we doing the persuading? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Right. Um, that is the big or, part of the question. Or is it the message itself that is doing the persuading? Is it the Holy or, Spirit that's doing the persuading? There you go. Yeah. 
And I know I forget where it's referenced, but there is even a statement by I believe it was Paul that said we persuade men. Um, and, and well, it was a, actually a question. I believe a question. He said, Do we now persuade men? That's it. Or God? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> and and I guess I guess it's hard to know where the line is where I am using Scripture and the Holy Spirit is working, and I'm the the vessel. I'm I'm the mouthpiece that God is using to bring persuasion upon another person. And at a certain point, their heart might begin to refuse. And it's like, Mm -hmm. if I continue doing what I'm doing, despite their heart refusing, am I persuading them now? Am I going farther than what the Holy Spirit is is being allowed to do in their heart? Hmm. You know what I mean? I think so. Um, Makes sense? Yeah, it's it's kind of what we... Talk about taking the open door as far as it goes and then just leaving it. Right. And it's like, I, I think after a while, you can kind of know when you're getting to that point, when you're talking with someone about the Lord mm-hmm. and they're just not not there yet. <laughs> um, you can kind of sense when you should stop. And, mm-hmm. and and I think after a certain point, you, you kind of, your conscience stings. You're like, okay, wait, I'm getting a little further ahead of the Lord there. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, I do. Um, and uh, 2 Corinthians 5.11 you know, states it in a positive context where Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So he, he was saying that there was some persuasion uh, going on there. The same word, um, though, used in Galatians 1.10, he says, for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So um, um, anyway, and then he goes on, he says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Uh, he talks about how he received it uh, from Christ. But anyway, um, so talking about that idea of persuasion, I think you hit on something with the Holy Spirit doing persuading. And it's not just, I'd have to say, it's not just in the matter of the gospel. Um, the whole there, there's not some special niche of the Holy Spirit uh, in the gospel to convict men. Sure. I would say it's it's in the truth. Period. Whenever you witness yeah, to fair. the truth, yeah, and I mean, and that can be on th- you know, ten thousand levels or, or, or aspects of life. When you are living or speaking the truth, um, the Holy Spirit can confirm that, and 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 that is a witness. In fact. Uh, what's the verse in Proverbs? Um, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You could do a, uh-huh. a dive on that. But sure. basically, uh, the idea that, you know, when we're living <clears throat> consistent with, you know, God's design and pattern for life, we are showing people, we are we are a witness, an example to people. Uh, we're showing them, um, anyway, we're showing them God's design, and there's a witness to that. So, but... But the point is, is that the Holy Spirit is really doing the convicting and the persuading to a point. Now, and, and maybe what got me on this is I watched a video recently, um, and Jason Lyle with Answers in Genesis, yeah, I like uh, him. Ast- astrophysicist, yeah, he was uh, he was making the point that um, evidence, uh, how do you say it, something like um, evidence doesn't persuade, okay, or right. or it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily speak for itself. What's that? I think I've heard him say before, evidence doesn't speak for itself. Okay, yeah, good way to put it. Um, and and some people won't be persuaded if you give them all the evidence in the world. Correct. Or 
Or you say, well, you know what? They're not persuaded. I just need to give them more evidence. No, not really. I mean, no. you think back to the the rich man in hell. Yep. And he said, yep. you know, send back my send back Lazarus to to you know tell my brothers. And he said. They've got Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. No, but if one went back from the dead, then they would hear. You know, they would be persuaded if they saw something like that. And right. and you know, Abraham responded, "No, no, they wouldn't." Um, so so persuasion isn't a function of the evidence, um, but it, it is an internal decision. And yet, obviously, we're we're a component in offering things that could persuade, or offering a witness, mm-hmm. um, offering a. Um, a case, but that case may or may not persuade. And I think we have to be careful um, to uh, determine how to set our sights realistically as to what our role in persuasion is. Um, between right. you and me, I, I, was, I was taught you know, that the goal of preaching is to persuade. Right. Um, I've heard well, that. you have to be careful with that, I think, that yes. if... Uh, you know, because because if my if my goal is to change your mind and yet you're not willing to change your mind or let's say maybe my my depth of scriptural knowledge and my ability to use it isn't sufficient. So instead, I turn to manipulative tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I I I can twist you and I can get you down the aisle and I can, quote, end quote, persuade you. Um, and yet that wasn't of the Lord. And yet other times I'm going to faithfully preach the word. I'm going to preach it correctly and accurately and with heart and having mm-hmm. done study. And some people are going to sit there and not be persuaded. And it doesn't mean I was a failure. Right. Um, I, I was obedient uh, and, I, and I fulfilled my commission, if you will, in faithfully um, preaching or proclaiming the truth uh, of the word of God. It, right. Whether or not someone says, you know, that changed my mind. That, that's true. Okay. You know, you're yeah. right. I'll change so you have to, in a sense, divorce yourself from the heart of the person that you're standing in front of. And because, I mean, ultimately, you can't force the change in it anyway. So you would say, instead of our responsibility being to persuade, our responsibility is to obediently represent truth. Yes. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Ex- exactly. That's, yeah, well said. Good. All right. Um, what else do we have here? Anything, you, you know, tickling your fancy here? Um, yeah. Okay. A couple questions I want to throw out to our listeners and I'm not necessarily looking for a, uh, a whole lot of discussion here, but I want some feedback. Um, I, uh, you know, we, we, we can be saved for a while and be in the whole church scene and get so used to the way things are mm-hmm. and our, if you will, our traditions are, are just way of doing things, our church culture sure. that we, we forget in large part, especially if we're not interacting with um, with uh, new believers a lot, what things we had to learn or where where they're at, um, what we need to cover. And I'm I as a uh, as a teacher and a preacher, um, I love to teach and, and I want to deal with some questions um, that are basic that that new believers ask. If several weeks back, um, a, a man called me and he said, yeah, I've never gotten a good answer to this. And I, and I think his question was something like, but I, I never understood why did Jesus have to die for my sin or something like that. I mean, so it was some, and, and, and it's not that I don't think the man is saved, but it was, it, it almost was kind of like a, wait, what, uh, like, what, like, what about why, that? Don't why you? couldn't he have done something else? <laughs> maybe that, and it was, yeah, I kind of maybe struggled to understand, well, what, what, what's the question here? But, but anyway, we talked through it and I gave some of, somewhat of an explanation 
But I guess it got my mind to thinking, what are those questions that these young believers are asking that we just sort of, we take for granted because everybody knows yeah. that, you know, we've known that forever. Um, yeah. So, so I guess I just wanted to kind of pull the audience here, pull, pull our listeners. What questions do new believers have? Maybe you feel like you're a newer, newer believer, or you're working with someone that is, um, and you say, you know, when I was a new believer, this was a question, or I came out of maybe this religion, or I came from this background and I couldn't understand this, or I brought right. this baggage in with me. And this question really weighed on my mind, or I needed that answered. If you could give me some feedback there, send it to reason together podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to see those questions, not even necessarily to debate, <laughs> debate to, to discuss on the podcast here, but even for me personally to take into my own teaching and preaching, right. um, to not overstep some things and 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 bypass younger believers uh, as I'm, you know, continuing to parse truth for older, more mature believers. Right. Actually, uh, our church is a church plant. We started about mm -hmm. six and a half years ago, mm -hmm. and so many of our people are either new Christians or very baby Christians, very young Christians, mm. and uh, there was a lot of questions that we had a number of years ago. And I ended up teaching a, a Sunday school lesson on this once called Orienting mm. in a Biblicist Baptist Church. Mm. And an orientation I, meaning. <laughs> an orientation. Yeah. 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 And, and I figured, well, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody do that before. And I'm like, well, it's our <laughs> church. I don't care. I'll do, do what we want. <laughs> You're right. Independent. Right. So, so what we, kind of things did you cover? Uh, you know, why do we say amen? Mm. Um, why, why do we use the pastor's title and not just call him Tom? You know, why do we call each other brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? Uh, why why is the preaching not a dialogue, you know? Because one of the things good. you'll find, especially in a small new church, um, <laughs> you know, you, you don't have a big podium, you know, where you're up th three feet, four feet above everybody. You don't have a huge crowd where, you know, talking out would seem kind of strange. You're in a small room with a small crowd of people and, and you're trying to preach and people who aren't <laughs> familiar with church start communicating with you. <laughs> so so we had to to talk about what is preaching and and what is teaching and are they the same thing and if they are the same thing uh why and and why is sunday school different than the morning service uh mm -hmm. and so on you know why do we why do we meet to pray uh on wednesday nights why do we sing hymns in church why do we do that like not necessarily the style but music period why do we have music in church why do we do that? Yeah. Um, why do we have responsive reading, uh, scripture reading? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, all sorts of questions that Fantastic. maybe we're just used to that we don't, that we take for granted that everybody just knows. Well, new Christians don't know that. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, well, yeah. and honestly, as you're saying that, I think um, how many even experienced believers or preachers, it, it's it's what they've done for so long that they don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Um as far as maybe they haven't stopped to ask the question, why, why do we do that? And that's part of what I like to do is, you know, analyze why we do what we do. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, so that's, that's good. Yeah. Those, those are at least some of the questions we covered. Um, it, it was a while ago, so maybe my mind just kind of threw a few extras in there that came to my mind now. So I forget which we cover and which I just made up now, but yeah. Um, now that was, that, that, that was the idea. is neat because it is, um, it is doctrinal in a sense, and yet it's dealing with our interaction at church, like mm -hmm. understanding a Baptist church service. 
And yet, are there any one, two, three questions that are just sort of prevalent that come to mind that as you've interacted with a new believer, uh, questions that they've had in life about some, you know, basic spiritual thing, whether it was prayer or, or Bible reading or some concept of doctrine that just didn't click that once they understood that they, oh, okay, I get it. Um, is there anything like that on a, outside of a understanding the structure of a, of a church service, uh, you know, and how we operate there? And, and I guess it's going to be so different person to person. I mean, where they're coming right. from, what they understand, it, it's, it's hard, maybe hard to say. Yeah. But. I was recently asked by a man who is a new believer, um, kind of a question that I had taken for granted. So we were going over um, some of the doctrinal statement from the church. And I, you know, we had talked about, you know, there's a statement in, in our doctrinal statement that says something about uh, upon death, a believer is consciously present with the Lord and, and such and such. I forget exactly how it's worded there, but he, he didn't understand that. He thought, okay, I thought when you die, you're just like asleep until the resurrection day. And I don't know if maybe that seems more intuitive to a believer uh, or to a new believer, you know, to someone who's not been at it a while. Does that seem more intuitive that we would just be asleep until some sort of resurrection? But he asked, and I just, I guess I just took for granted that, that he knew that no, when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. Uh, and, and that, that, you know, mm-hmm. even, even in, you know, I think it's, is it Revelation chapter three? You know, the, the tribulation saints who are martyred are already seen there in mm-hmm, the scene in mm-hmm. heaven saying, how mm-hmm. long, oh Lord, you know, basically yes, wanting to yes. know when they would be avenged. Uh, their bodies are still dead upon the earth somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And they're there in heaven. Um, so I guess I took for granted that he would know that, but, you know, it's easy to overlook I, it when you've been at it a while. Right. Yeah, I could see if you didn't know those couple of, of, of passages there, you might think, well, okay, there's a resurrection coming where I'll be brought out of the grave, but until then, I'm just there. I guess yeah. I, I could see where they would think that. Okay. Hmm. But well, I'm sure our, you? You our listeners, I'm sure our listeners can find more. Yeah, more that'd be great. So. Yep. Reason together podcast at gmail.com. Send me yes. some thoughts there. Um, all right. What do we want to do next? Do you want to uh, uh, give a quick plug for this book here? I see. On the oh, list. yes. Yes. I have been, um, known a time or two to lament that we as independent Baptists don't help promote each other's uh, progress uh, like we should. Everybody, you're just kind of on your own. You're on your own. And you know, I don't want to promote you because I don't want to, I don't want to make your head swell up with pride. So I'm just not going to promote you. Um, and of course the, the negative effect that that has is that Baptists who are doing good work don't get their work found. <laughs> yeah. Right. We don't share each other's stuff on social media. We don't talk to each other about each other's good stuff. We only talk to each other about each other's bad stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, oh, did you hear so-and-so? Um, so I thought I would take an opportunity to put my money where my mouth is here and promote another Christian's work that I think is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> now I have to give a disclaimer here because I have not read this book. And you say, why would you give... <laughs> a promotion of a book you have not read. I'll tell you why, because it's my mother-in-law's book. <laughs> and if you don't do it, you're not going to get a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> no, well, I, I have read her first book, which is called The Greater Inheritance. Uh, it it mm-hmm. is by Mary Schrock. That is my mother-in-law. And I believe her website is Mary Schrock Books. 
uh, com. Uh, I'll check on it. Yeah, it is. It's maryschrockbooks.com. Uh, um, she has another link to book. that in the show notes. Correct. Um, she has another book out, a second book, and this one is different. Uh, like I said, I haven't read it yet. It is, uh, it is a work of uh, fiction. It's a, it's a fictional story, whereas the first mm-hmm. book was an autobiography. Um, okay. So uh, I'm sure it's good. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, if you've read the first one, you'll want to pick up the second one. It's called The Courageous Choice, and you can mm-hmm. find that at maryschrockbooks.com. All right. Good. Let's see here. Um, what else to cover? Um, I either want to do this uh, individual soul liberty or um, yes. how do you witness? Which one do you want to pick there? Well, I have been, been thinking about this yeah. individual soul liberty thing here. It's been on my mind mm-hmm. um, for a while. Go for it. Um, so, so we're familiar with that, you know, that tropey uh, Baptist acrostic, you know, with the Baptist distinctives, right? Right. B-A-P-T-I-S-T-S. Um, right, right. <laughs> Biblical authority, uh, autonomy of the local church, priesthood of the believer, and so on. Um, right. mm-hmm. The letter I, when you get to that, usually stands for individual soul liberty. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And the question, <laughs> the question is, what does that mean? And what, what this came up in practice recently uh, where a man at my church uh, had to make a religious exemption at his job uh, regarding the vaccine, okay? Uh, which I know is a touchy subject. Um, and I don't know that we want to go all down all of the rabbit trails with that. <laughs> but the, there, there are numbers of religious exemptions that, that exist, I think, across the spectrum against this thing. But I think, and, and, and it became my opinion recently uh, in thinking about this, that perhaps the strongest religious exemption you could make, in particular with a Christian employer, which was the scenario here, is the exemption on the basis of individual soul liberty. So this being a, a distinctive thing of, of Baptists that we get from Romans chapter 14 and part of Romans chapter 15, uh, is that... Um, to, to force me to do something that in my conscience I feel is wrong, uh, is wrong for you <laughs> to do, right? Even, and here's the big caveat, even if I am misguided. Right, sure. I mean, it's got to be that because, right. yes. Because, right. and, and this is the counsel that, that, that I ended up giving is that ultimately, whether or not someone takes this vaccine, uh, I, I, think, I think you want to, there, there are some you shouldn't take. Right. And there are some you could take. Right. And, yeah, you know, walking by faith does not exclude doing strategic research. Okay, so so do things in a thought out way. However, um, if you found one of these vaccines that was morally okay to take and you decided to take it, that is a matter of conscience. Okay, and I liken it many ways to the meat offered to idols that. Uh, is spoken of in Romans chapter 14, which is where the concept of individual soul liberty comes from. Um, so, you know, one brother might feel like in his conscience, eating meat offered to idols is sin. Well, another brother might say, it's just meat, eat it. For the brother that says, you know, it's just meat, it would be wrong for him to impose that on the brother who feels like in his conscience, it is sinful to eat the meat, even though it was Paul's position that it's just meat, right? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, technically the text, I don't think talks about imposing uh, it. Does it more, but more it's about don't judging him into. Okay. Okay. Well, he uses the word judge. Why judgest thou thy brother? 
Okay. <clears throat> but okay. for the context we're speaking of here with yeah. the vaccine, there is an imposition that's being spoken of here. Right. So should a Christian employer impose this thing on a Christian employee who believes that it's morally wrong for him to take it? And I don't think you can get a stronger religious exemption on that basis than Romans chapter 14, an individual soul liberty. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm thinking through what you're saying, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because I mean, there is a I more mean, common religious exemption that is used for vaccines by Christians. What's and, that? And uh, well, I'm hesitant to bring it up. <laughs> is it is um, it the fact that the, uh, they feel like there's a abortive uh, fetal matter in the vaccine? Is that the issue? Yes, that is a more common religious exemption, and okay, it 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 it, it is actually a gross oversimplification of the matter. Um, uh, so I think there is more to be studied there whether that actually is the issue. Yeah, I think what you're saying is it's yeah, not technically I mean, abortive it's matter. Not, yeah, right. It's not technically true in all cases that there's aborted baby matter parts mm-hmm. in in vaccines. It's not technically true, but I could see how someone who who maybe doesn't understand all the research mm-hmm. might come to that conclusion. Um, right. And so and so even if they did come to that conclusion and they were grieved by that and felt like no truly this would be wrong for me even if it's a misinformed you're saying yeah. that is their conscience. Yes. Um and thus the stronger argument then is not to make me offend my own conscience. Correct. That's my point. I guess I'm st- stepping back to um whether and I think in your question here, you have, um, you said, um, from which scriptural text does this distinctive come? Whether Romans 14 is exactly um, a strong text underlying individual soul liberty. I mean, I get that it's basically saying, don't offend your brother by, by and I guess I guess it's, it's pretty close, but by causing him to um, grieve his own conscience, but it seems like the causing in that passage is by doing something in front of him that makes him feel like, well, I guess if he did it, I can do it, but I don't feel like it's right, but, but he's doing it so I can get, you know, I mean, not, that is part, that is a part of the passage. Yeah. But I'm thinking in particular of like verses 12 through 14, um, or even further 12 through 16, even, uh, he says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. In other words, there, there's your individual soul liberty mm, yes. there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the individual part. And then he says in verse 13, let us therefore not judge one another anymore, uh, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Uh, and, okay. and, and I think we should be careful not to misuse that word judge. It, it doesn't mean disagree. It's, he's not saying don't ever disagree, disagree with your brother. You can disagree with right. your brother. That's <laughs> sure. not the same as judging. Um, okay. That's, but his point that's here, because I, I had already always, I think I've always perceived that as a personal judging. You know, say, well, you're judgmental. Um, you, you're judging me for what I do. And yet really step that up the ladder and judgment does turn into an actual legal thing that I'm judging you. I'm putting, uh, I'm putting on you a certain, um, oh, what do I want to say? A certain punishment for not doing that. And that's what we are talking about is right. that you will be punished legally from a governmental perspective or from a an employer perspective, if you do not do this, well, that is a judging. Well, yeah. I mean, the word judge here means to separate or to distinguish or to discriminate between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he's saying, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, I think he's, of course, talking in the context here about these matters of conscience, right? 
mm-hmm. where something could go yes. either way. Yes. He's saying, stop picking your brother apart over what's, what is actually a matter of conscience. Um, you know, if you're going to pick your brother apart over something, make sure that it is a, a doctrinal issue that the scriptures are clear about. Um, but when something is a matter of conscience and can go either way, stop picking him apart. Stop discriminating, he says. That's what the word means. Uh, but he says, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Meaning don't don't force him to do something that will cause him to sin or don't live in such a way, you yourself, in which he might by your example uh, fall into sin. But then he goes on further in verse 14, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, and and there's the meat there, um, Mm -hmm. he says, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy him not with thy meat for whom Christ died. So in a sense, you, by exercising your liberty, right, to eat that meat, you could be offending the weaker conscience of this brother who thinks it's wrong to eat the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? Well, I think so. I yeah. mean, basically by what you do, you could be offending the other. My question is, well, is that then not simply imposing something on them? But what, what if, what if a guy says, well, not that you're making me get the vaccine, but the fact that you even got the vaccine offends me. Right. That seems to turn the whole thing around. I think we've had a discussion about that before. But. Yeah, well, and I think both both scenarios would apply in this passage, whether you're forcing someone to get it or whether they think just by you having it, that's offensive to them. Um, mm. I think ultimately the the vaccine is a matter of conscience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, agree or disagree. It's I, I believe it's a matter of conscience. And if someone gets it, you know, I, I think judging to use the word here that he's using, uh, judging would be, would be wrong for you to do. And, and, and I mean that in the biblical sense of the word, not just, not the modernist sense of the word judging, um, to, <laughs> to, to pick him apart over that and mm-hmm, to feel mm-hmm. offended by the fact that your brother got a vaccine, that would be wrong for you to do, <laughs> to, to, mm-hmm, to judge mm-hmm. him for that. Likewise, it would be wrong for him to judge you if you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and he says right here in yeah, the chapter about I, meat, he said, let every man be persuaded in his own mind. This is a matter of conscience. Um, yeah, the, and I, I think I'd have to agree with you on that. Now, for those listeners who are listening and say, well, you know, there there may be other reasons why they don't like the vaccine or they sure. think the whole thing is overblown or that the whole, you yeah. know, you know, monolithic narrative, you know, or nearly monolithic narrative is uh, is sort of ridiculous. OK, well, that's true. That's true. But coming back to the you know, maybe there's some people that just feel like it'd be safer if I took the vaccine. I truly am more at risk and I don't feel like there's a problem. OK, uh, you know, to, to not uh, disenfranchise or, you know, what's the word we use um, in a church setting? Um, what's the Catholic term? Um, when you uh, excommunicate the church. Yeah. Yeah. Excommunicate them, you know, because they took the uh, vaccine. No, I have to right. agree with you that I think it's a matter of conscience. Well, and, and the thing is, though, that there's kind of a curveball in chapter 15 because in chapter 14, he, pers- he he portrays the one who eats the meat because it's just meat. Uh, he portrays that one as the stronger conscience, right? And mm-hmm. the one who yes. thinks it's sinful is per- is portrayed as the weaker conscience brother. And, and I don't want to say weaker brother. I think that's that's different. He's the weaker conscienced brother. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't equate to necessarily a weaker brother in, in my mind. But in chapter 15... After this conversation in chapter 14, and remember, there's no chapter divisions originally. He then says in verse one, we then that are strong 
ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. So he places the responsibility on the guy who's willing to eat the meat to say, you know, you ought to defer if you can uh, to preserve the weaker brother, the conscience of the the weaker conscience brother, if I could say it that way. So the onus is on the stronger conscience person uh, to, in a sense, moderate. And to go back to your question, then, as a as a valid religious exemption, uh, I guess your question is, is that valid um, for a Christian to say, uh, for reasons of conscience, I, I cannot take it? Well, I think it should be. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is why I made the distinction of there being a Christian employer in this scenario, because mm-hmm. uh, that's, that mm-hmm. is, that's the actual case here. Uh-huh. However... I don't think a non-Christian employer would really recognize that as a valid religious exemption. Um, I mean, our government should give us a conscientious uh, exemption. If someone feels in their conscience, it's wrong to take it. Sure. Uh, They should not mandate it for such people. Uh, I mean, really, they shouldn't mandate it at all. But but there should be a conscientious objection. But our government does not recognize scripture the way they should. Well, and you know, it's it's interesting. Like our our form of government uh, is made for a self governing people, and once once people you know refuse to be self governing and they just serve their own lust, well, it's only a matter of time before the whole um, the whole structure just comes crumbling in on itself. Sure. Well, um, well, I think I was going to make some sort of parallel here with the the conscience issue that it has to be. You know, it, it, ideally they would they would say. If this violates your conscience, you don't have to do it. Uh, my fear would be, on the other hand, you'd have a, if you will, a lack of self-control in Christians who would then use that at every possible turn to basically um, structure their lives within, quote, you know, quote unquote, within the law to be exactly what they wanted it to be. Because every time they ran up against something they didn't like, to be like, oh, it's conscience, conscience, my conscience. Right. You know, and so they, you know, uh, I can't come to work at eight o'clock because conscience, um, you know, I'm doing my devotions or, you know, whatever. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. So So what would be the limiting principle? I'd have to think on that one. I'd have to think. Uh, I don't know. know, It it just, yeah, obviously there's a, it seems like there's a context and there's a a degree to which you can go. Then at some point somebody says, you know, I don't, uh, Tom, I don't like you wearing that shirt. I don't like it that you have Sunday night services that offends me. I don't like it that, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden they start to try to, they try to form your life based on supposedly their conscience when then I think they're pulling the whole offense thing out of the, out of context and all that. So anyway, right. Well, I, I, I think the, the vaccine is a different scenario in that it does constitute a violation of the sanctity of a person's body. Um, that you're asking me to do something to my body that can't be undone once it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different than saying, you know, in my conscience, I feel like I shouldn't get up and come to work on time because I'm doing my devotions. You know, that's not violating the sanctity of my body. I just need mm-hmm. to be punctual, mm-hmm. you know, and in a sense, yeah. by doing that, I'm violating other scriptures, uh, scriptural principles. But, uh, yeah. the, you know, the vaccine seems like a different scenario. So if you've got some feedback on us uh, f- on this topic here, um, the vaccine and a, um, what are we calling it, a, an individual soul liberty uh, religious exemption uh, mm-hmm. by conscience, let us know your thoughts. Reason Together podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Otherwise, we're getting uh, uh, time to wrap up here. And so uh, one, once again, it's Reason Together podcast at gmail.com. And I want to thank you for joining.
the conversation. We've got a fun episode coming up. We look forward to releasing and explaining the difficulties we've had in uh, in uh, producing it. Yes. But until then, we just sort of have to keep tight-lipped about that and uh, hope to see you next time. Yes, thank you for being here. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.